Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Okay, welcome everyone to another one of our podcasts here on Eurosport. Usually I am with the normal suspects, Boris Becker here on my right. Thanks for coming, Boris. John McEnroe. Today we're joined by Ivan Lendl. And do you know why? Who would have thought? Yes. Why are you invited? Do you want to know why? I have no why? idea. Because you have a positive head-to-head -head against all three all of, of us. us. I like and that. And we're giving you a wild card. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Everything goes here. Okay, that's the first thing. Okay. Um, we're sitting in the player's garden. It might be noisy. This place is noisy, so my first question is going to go to you, John. Uh, Not because you're the oldest, but because <laughs> you're from New York City. Okay. Uh, what is it about the U.S. Open that you just love? Is it the crowd? Is it the noise? What is it for well, you? Or yeah. don't like? No, I, I like all of it, but uh, you know, I'm biased, obviously. To me, New York's the best city in the world. And, uh, <laughs> Uh, does anyone disagree with that? Um, and it brings an energy, and I think it brings things sometimes good, sometimes bad, out of players and people that otherwise you wouldn't see at the other events. And you have to deal with factors you don't have to deal with at other places, the noise being one of them. So uh, does anyone disagree with me on that? Yvonne, what do you, did you <laughs> not like about the U.S. Open early on and then got to he like? He got this eight straight finals. He, he must have liked it okay. I liked it okay. I liked the fact that I got to stay at home in Greenwich every yep. second day. Uh, I came here once for uh, to test the court before the tournament and then only for my matches. And I was able to practice at home and I think it has uh, helped me a lot to be fresher because, as John said, it's quite hectic over here and it wears out on you. And uh, I was dealing only with half of it uh, as opposed to the other players. Boris, I had you? to fall in love with New York to eventually play well. You know, being born and raised in Germany, European bred, I like with you. the calmness of London, the beauty of Paris, even though I never won there. So coming over here, I'd like to go out and have a good time in Manhattan and, you know, meet cool people, but I couldn't really concentrate. So I had to actually go on the island and stay with my good friend Dino for me to finally come through and, and win my only U.S. Open. And, and you know also, Matt, that uh, here was where they started the night matches. It's actually at Forest Hills in 1975, but I think that's added an extra element that you see now, even a couple times at Wimbledon when they played later, that's been somewhat awesome, I know. And I don't know, if, I think Paris is going to start having night matches, I believe too. so. 
I think so. I, lo is I love true? the night matches. 1975? 75 was when it started Forest match? Hills. Uh, really? How about indoors at that time? Did they play night matches? You're a lot older than me, so you probably know. Uh, <laughs> I didn't know you had a sense of humor. <laughs> um, let's see. The, I, I bought one on the way here. <laughs> I, I think that um, there was, what was your question again? I lost track. Indoor night matches. Indoor night matches. Are you talking about at the majors? No, 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 Madison just Square indoors. Garden. Oh, indoors, yeah, I'm yeah. talking, of course they had indoor night matches. We yeah, used to okay. do that at the Garden, but I mean, that doesn't mean, listen, I'd like playing at night, I prefer that. So yeah. you probably wanted to get it over with so you could go oh, play some I, golf. I, I hated uh, playing at night. I didn't see, I didn't see well at night, and I just disliked it, it threw me off. You know, yeah. Borg uh, hated it, and um, yeah. you know he felt like it cost him, and his, his buddy, uh, Leonard Berglund, God rest his soul, would always complain bitterly that he'd have to go play the night matches. And you? What yeah, about I, you? Guys? I fell in love with my wife here ah. after leaving Louis Armstrong in 1985. I walked into her. I walked into a friend of hers, and he wanted to talk to me. And I said, I got to go, man. I got to go. Do you want an autograph or something? We didn't take selfies in his those days. His name wasn't Marlon. Yes, was it? it was. <laughs> Marlon. And then he realized I was leaving, and he said, well, she also wants to meet you, which is not true. And I saw her and I said, oh my God, should we meet later too? So I fell in love with my wife, we're still married, and I am with you, Boris. I needed that to actually um, love playing at the US Open. But because you're new, Ivan, I'm gonna ask you a little bit of a sensitive question maybe, because you play the US Open is in kind of the Cold War era uh, with Russia and America sort of Jimmy Carter, that kind. We had Johnny Mack, we had Jimmy Connors, and then you. And you were most probably looked upon as something somewhat evil to the New York well, fans. How did you Ivan react? Ivan Drago. Ivan Drago. How did you react to the fans? Let me correct you on two fronts. Number one, I don't know what my connection with Russia is. I'm just saying we <laughs> okay. were a communist country. Yeah. In America, two, they didn't number care. Number two, Jimmy Carter left office in January 1980 and Ronald Reagan was in when I played. Yes, no, 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 I agree. But you oh, okay. get my point. Okay where there was a little bit of that. Yeah, you were the no Eastern guy and, no doubt you know, about and, and they were yeah. rooting for them. Yeah. How did you deal did with you that? Did you embrace that? I, I, I didn't really. Did you hate that or did no, you No, I didn't like mind it one way or the other. My philosophy was if I play and they root for me, I have to play hard so I don't let them down. Yes. If, if I play and they root against me, I play even harder to piss them off. Huh? I like good, that. That's a good attitude. I like that. that that's fair and strange. That's uh, how you always came across. I mean, you were it looked like you were pretty unemotional. You were not faced so much with the situation. Obviously, you are a human being. You do have a heart. I've seen it. <laughs> but <laughs> you have a imagine heart. somebody tells you you can't do it, and then you do it. You yeah. look at them, and you can flip them a finger. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but Boris, the, the, the question for you is pretty obvious now, because in in, a, in the most complimentary way that I can possibly Easy. put this, you were looking at two monsters over here yeah. for different reasons. The best hands in tennis in Johnny Mac, uh, the most most probably driven and most professional early on in Ivan. Yeah. And then you're growing up watching this and how did you deal with that? You came and you won Wimbledon at 17 and you won Wimbledon at 18. How did you overcome this kind of caliber of players and attitude early in your career? Well, difficult, you know, John and Ivan, the big personalities on and off the court, you know, don't think they're, you know, the pretty boys inside the locker room. Did they talk room, to you in you the know, locker room yeah. at all? They, they That's where I've been called pretty boys. No, they, they have their they have their you know group of people. They have a demanding presence inside the locker room. And there comes young, you know, 
freckled Boris and, and didn't know, you know, which corner do I belong. So I think we had a, a situation on the court in Milan for the first time when you beat me. Yeah. Where, where you were a little bit, you know, rough with me and it was in the locker room. And John then being rough with someone? Well, well, no, he had a few comments okay. and uh, maybe to intimidate me, I don't do, know. Do you remember what I said to you in it, Milan locker room after the match? It's not child friendly. It's not child friendly. No, it is child. No, actually, yeah. actually it was good. It was good yeah. what you told me. Yes, after the match. Yeah, I said, you know, win something. Yeah. If you're going to complain, win something first. And go. then you won Wimbledon and Queens four months later at and 17. Well, John, who, who did you lose to at Wimbledon in 1985? It wasn't bars. No, I know that, but who did you lose to? I lost to a guy by the name of, uh, you may remember him, uh, Kevin Curran. And you lost to him in the semis? Or? I lost to him in the quarters. Quarters, okay. Yeah. That's right. Uh, Kevin Curran beat Jimmy what about you? in the yeah. semis. I lost to Henry Lacant in round of 16. So we both had bad years. Is that the reason why I'm winning? Or no, 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 no. I'm, I'm just winning. Yeah, yeah. I, I lost in the first round, if anyone where, cares. No, where, where I'm heading, Boris, is that... Uh, John, uh, John then took sabbatical after the U.S. Open for six months, and then he came back. But in my opinion, he never played as well as before. Yeah. Would you agree with that? I would agree with that. And unfortunately, so therefore you really didn't get. Unfortunately, you get the best John of John. Best. That's yeah. true. Yeah. Right. Thank you, Ivan. Thank you. No, we actually never <laughs> look played. Look at that. Look at this relationship. We never played in a major. Oh no, you did beat me. Wasn't we it? played once in a major. Uh, uh, that was one of the few times I did beat you at Australian Open. That's right. The year after That's you right. won it. That's right. My we last did. year on the tour in 92. That's right. But I'm just coming back. I to wish what we it had played at Wimbledon. Yeah. You know, yeah. Or, or the guy. Open. What a lovely play this But I, I'm saying, you know, um, you were a big presence in the locker room as well. And then I think nowadays, just to compare it to stay relevant, I think, you know, when Rafa comes to the locker room, Roger, and you know, they have their, you know, three or four people around them, and there's the locker room gets a bit silent. You know, nobody jokes too much. There was very much when you guys were around, including you. So me, by far the youngest in the locker room, I had to, I had to find my corner first right, right. to be accepted. And the easiest way to do so was winning you guys on the tennis court, beating you. You have to gain respect. Yes, that's right. That's, that's all. Yeah, that's it shouldn't sure. be given. You should earn it. But, uh, you know. And I, that's I'm the problem with today's players, yeah. right? They haven't really earned it. I was hoping you would say that. Uh, they haven't really earned it. You know, they, some, some have more than others. But, but what I wanted to say was it's too, too bad we can't have a time capsule. Because it would be interesting to see how John deals with the ball which is coming now fast with topspin under your feet and how the other guys as I was saying two months earlier John was the only guy who could have a volley at the shoelaces or half volley and put it away with pace yeah I never met anyone like that or never played anyone like that how would that look today I would love to see that that would be very interesting. I would have loved to seen it too yeah how do you think it would have played I think you would have trouble with pace because you had trouble with my pace but I also think you would have adjusted don't you think I would have been able to have, because you, your pace was, I would say, compared to today's game, as you would have been as big a hitter as there was in the game. You're one of the biggest yeah. hitters in the game, like Boris. Like Boris, yeah. Also. Yeah. Yeah. And so if you grew up with that, it's easier to learn no, how to handle it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. And, you know, it was like when Pete came and he was serving so big, hmm. all of a sudden, Five years later, there were eight other guys serving like that, and everybody got used to the pace, and Pete had trouble. What do you, what do you think that your mindset would have been if you, play, if you played today? Because when I think of it myself, I don't know if I could have been a great player if I had to take risks. 
as often as they do today, the players. I mean, I know Novak doesn't make too many mistakes, but he does take risks at some point. Uh, and I don't, never took any risk at all, maybe coming to the net. How would you guys, Boris, I start with you. How would you, how, do you think your mind would have been able to adjust to the kind of tennis they're playing today? Look, I, I think, you know, without uh, beating around the bush, we have four champions sitting here. And I think we would have all adapted right, to that's anybody sure. yeah. at any generation. And we would have adapted to the space. We would have changed the records because it's, it's different. When you when you have it in your DNA, and I think we would have taken on the challenge. Now, even you, you know, being Mr. Slowplay and everything, you you adapted your game to to get, get along with this guy at the final of the years. Over, remember, you came a lot more to the net than you've ever done before in order to win. I think so. I think that's that's. I think the bottom line: you adjust to the competition across the net, and you would find a way to win. Mm. I, uh, let me ask you a question, Yvonne, because you were the first guy that started changing rackets, you know, and getting new string job every seven to nine games so how did that come about because now everyone's doing it well i felt uh, i felt that the tension goes down as you that play with it that quickly you yes know, that quickly within we, we, 20 we could, minutes 30 we could minutes. prove that we could prove that yeah and so when you get new balls you just stay in the same conditions as the tension goes down the balls slow down and they relatively go the same way then if you keep that racket and you get new balls they just fly so why not just keep constantly the same thing? And the other reason was I was playing with a thin, natural, uncoated gut, and they were not going to last much more than nine games. Let me ask you another question then. Gee, you what, have a lot of questions. Why, why did you then, if you went, the uh, reasoning would be, because I remember that you, when we went and played some matches, out, exhibition matches, but I know you told me this, in altitude or different conditions, whatever they were, you always played with the same tension. Why wouldn't you change and go tighter, for example, if you're playing in 6,000 feet? Rafa does that too, doesn't he? I think Rafa plays with the same tension. I, uh, I, yeah, I, think no I stayed what. with the same tension, not all the time, but oh, I, uh, I, played, the time. I played at 72 and a half pounds, but I played a few Wimbledons when I lost to Boris in Wimbledon, I played at 55 pounds. Really? Because it helped serve and volley. But I wasn't as good returning. But uh, the reason I didn't do that is because we didn't have stringers traveling with us and I wasn't willing to string on the road because you twist that natural gut without any coating on it a little bit and it pops in the second point. And I will run out of rackets before we even start. So Warren Bosworth, who was a genius with that, just strung all my rackets on the same machine. Do you, do you uh, sort of wish that you would be able to play with the strings they utilize now that provide all I, this I would top love spin? that. I would love that. It'd be interesting, right? Because it makes such a big I bet You can hit it so hard and it doesn't go long. It, yeah. it dips in. You know, when I, I stepped away from the game when the kids were growing up and I traveled with them around the country uh, golf, for golf and so on and so on. And then I came here a few times for some, uh, some matches and I see the ball flying the first, first match. And I stopped watching. And all of a sudden, I realized they're still playing the point. It was going four feet long, right. and all of a sudden, the ball dropped. And I think that's also why we don't see the guys serving and volleying a lot, because the ball is so difficult to track down at the net. Absolutely. If you had to pick one player that you think plays the most similar game to you, that sort of watched you in today's game, I'll tell you who my, I look at Shapovalov. To me, like that's how I would have played. My left hand is useless. Right. <laughs> I didn't think Shapovalov would be your pick, but if you had to pick one player now that you say, God, that guy plays like I do, or 
he that's how I would have played. Like, right? I, I would have played like. Yeah, I think sense. I played more under control than Dennis does. I think Dennis. No, I'm not saying does. Dennis. I'm saying I did. Oh, you did. You would. For, Dennis you would play. Would, for you or for me? For me? No, I'm asking you. I'm saying for me it would be oh. Dennis. For oh, me, okay. it would be Andy Murray. I think I would play for like you. Andy yes. Murray. Yes. yes, I agree with that. I agree with that. And 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 I'm going to ask Boris the same question. But who do you think you know plays the most like you now? Or you, oh, you would play most light. We right. talked about it today <laughs> a little bit. It's kind of hard to tell because... A lot of players play like you. The truth be known, you know, you changed this game, man. Yeah, but we're talking 30 years ago. Come on. Well, but I'm saying you, you served. Can you, you know, still remember that? It was 30 years ago <laughs> today. <laughs> I lost to Yvonne again. Uh, no, but I mean... Uh, yeah, what well, is it? 30 years ago. Yeah, 30, 30 years more ago, than 30 believe years it or not. Yeah. Who don't, do you think? Don't remind you, me. We, you want to think about it, Ivan. Oh, what about you, I, I Boris? I thought about it. I can't come up with a... No, you said Novak and Rafa, a combination. Combination of Novak and Rafa, a little more aggressive than Novak. He did harder and so on. Obviously, don't move as well as he did. But... Uh, bigger serve. Bigger serve. Bigger serve. Uh, I, think, I think the way for me to play would be like Novak, don't give anything. And when I see that green or even orange light, yeah. just let it go. Yeah. Right, and right. go forward, finish it. You would, I would have to go forward more to finish yeah. it. Boris, you? I think all our styles uh, were very particular, and I have a hard time thinking about who would be most likely in his attitude. But obviously, I keep my mouth shut. Yeah, I, I, I look at you, and I'm thinking of Kyrgios. I was just going to say, <laughs> no, no, honestly, <laughs> honestly, they behave think, similar. No, no, I'm talking about how he sets up the points with the quick points to serve, the forehand, trying to keep the points short and everything, getting the crowd involved, but obviously keeping my mouth shut a lot longer than he does. But that mentality was similar to mine. You serious? Yeah. I, I, I don't, mean, I see, I don't that, see that. Yeah. I don't see yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. I, don't I, see I, I, don't see, I don't see anybody else like that. Like, you know, the, the way I've played, the way I felt on the court, the, the way I would draw attention from the audience. I, I, I liked it a lot. What about Sissy Pass? He, you know, I mean, he's slumping now, but he sort of had that emotion diving Did. and, you know. Yep. True, he, but I feel that he doesn't. To me, that's closer than, than not, Nick. Not as explosive, not right. as dangerous. I find, I find Nick on a good night dangerous to watch, you know, for him himself and everybody else. <laughs> And, and, and uh, with Stefanos, is a bit more, maybe in a couple of years, I find the serve, he could do a lot more, he could play bigger. The moment, my taste, he rallies too far from the baseline and gets into many long matches. I, I hated that. I'm yeah, but, but I mean, I, I went in a lot more than Shapovalov does, but I think, as Yvonne said, it's harder to get to net. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the ball's being hit so hard, there's so much spin on it. If, if you, you come to the net and the guy takes a swing at it, you're toast. Because it spins so much. It spins it so dips. much, and they can create angle, and they all have good ground strokes. Mm. If you can get to the net where the guy blocks, I think you're mm. good. We had an interesting, uh, somebody came up to me and said that uh, they're doing a research on how good the guys are returning today. Obviously, talking mainly about Novak. Uh, well, he's talking about the three big, Roger, Novak, and Rafa. And I thought that the servers were better in the past. I thought that somebody like Sampras, Boris, Goran Imanisevic, today they serve hard, but I'm not sure that they're great servers, whereas those guys were great servers. Who's a great server today? Roger Federer is a yes. great server to me. Roger is but amazing. What do you he guys think of that? They're hitting exactly. them harder, but uh, I don't necessarily you know, I, I see them serving better. I was doing it for the last four years where I was going through statistics and looking at all these things, and Roger hits uh, amazing, amazing spots on, on his serve. So are they better, better service than, let's say, John and you are a great server. These guys were exceptional servers. 
they, they, they backed up their serves in a different way. It was harder to return yeah, you, you in those see, days. I never thought of John as an exceptional server. No. But what I thought John was better than anyone else is backing up that serve with his play after that. But that's what there were better serves if you isolate the serve. But they based they but based the statistics the way, on breaking serve and yeah, not, oh, not putting yeah, returns. Yeah, exactly. But yeah. if you isolate the serve, I can come up with better serves. Sure, sure. But to support it, and I think I fall into that category too that I supported it and won a high percentage of my first serve points and servings games yeah I, I think mean, they've, I think yeah. they've given up a little bit on the serve because of these strings I I, 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 I get I think I, either it's either that or they don't spend enough time trying to hit their spots I, I think it's a it's an underestimated shot nowadays the yeah, game I, agree. Uh, I don't think they practice it enough I think they play too many baseline rallies swimming ground strokes they all forget that they start every game or every other game with their serve and I um, you have a big server like Isner he lives and dies on his serve you can say that's a great serve, but then you have so many others who could, you know, serve a lot bigger and win the service game a lot easier, but they don't somehow back it up with, with the rest well, of the game. Le let me ask you this, guys, with the strings. Um, is it possible that the strings are a little inconsistent right now? Because what I see is the guys not hitting their spots on the serve as much as John was saying. And what I also see is them not being consistent with the depth of their shots. That I see too. And I see that. Mm -hmm. is it possible that it's because of the string and they're afraid that every now and then it just flies a couple feet longer? I think it's more probable that it's the mentality of the player himself and the effort that's put as opposed to the certainly on the ground strokes. Because they hit it so yeah, hard on the ground strokes. They're taking such big swings that it's tougher to be as precise yes. as consistently. Mm -hmm. right. I mean, you're but with so much spin, the ball drops shorter. And yeah. if you look at who, who hits the ball deepest in the world right now in men's tennis, to me it's Novak. Novak. Yeah. yeah, Novak. Who returns the deepest Novak. in men's tennis? Novak. Who is the best player in the world? Novak. Who is the best returner in the world? Novak. Mm -hmm. So yeah. the depth has a lot to do with yeah. it. And it's key I see in the rallies. I mean, when you yeah. set up the point, it's always uh, the Even yesterday, last night, when he was hurting and all that, yeah. he was so deep. I'm, I'm just falling asleep watching that. And, uh, and he, he, I'm saying... Jesus is hitting it deep, mm. you know? Mm. And I think the depth is one thing which the younger players don't appreciate or maybe don't understand enough. Don't understand. I don't think a lot of young players have an idea how to structure a point. They hit the ball hard, they hit it down the middle, but only much later in their career when they fell down a couple of times, they understand there's no luck in winning. Otherwise, Roger Rafanova will be lucky for 15 years, right? So there's a structure to it. There's a system to winning. There's a preparation for winning. And I think that's the problem with the young up-and-comings. They come in quickly, and they actually don't know why they're winning. I want to ask Yvonne something. Now, do you think these three guys, because I call them the three best ever, uh, do you think is, is that an, do you the, believe that's an accurate statement, or do you disagree with that? Because to me, uh, you know, they look at us, and, you know, we're like, well, it's, it's, we don't quite size it up. And... I mean, are they as good? Do you believe they're as good as, as I, I believe they are? I can make an argument that, first of all, I think there were few eras which you could make best ever. I think in the 60s when you had the Australians, mm -hmm. I mean, it was an exceptional time in tennis. Labor, Labor Roswell, Newcomb, those yeah. guys. Okay. That was exceptional time in yeah. tennis. I, I don't think in our era was too bad. I think, uh, think uh, Andre and Pete did quite well, mm -hmm. and I think these guys are something special. W am I prepared to say they're the best? No, I'm not, because 
you can't compare the Australians in the amateur era. You have MO in there. You can't compare the amateur era to professional era. They're the best since 1968, since the French Open 1968. No doubt about it. I can make an argument that they're the best and that's why the young generation can't catch up. Or I, can't, I could make another argument saying, you know, they're very good, but the young generation is weak. I can make both arguments and make them stand up. I idolize Rod Laver. I try to play like him. He was about 5'9". You know, I, I he, look he still at, is. He, I think he's about 5'7". Oh, okay. <laughs> But I, he, and, and then you look at Roger Federer. He was the guy that's most comparable to Rod. Right, that's, right. Now, he's 6'1". It's hard to stand up to that, you know, to me, just, you know, physically, that he could make that transition with these guys as, as much well, as I love Rod Laver. I love yeah. Rod Laver. I'm a, so it just seems well, to oh, me like no, he's, a, yeah. he's a taller John, version. John, if you're comparing how those guys would do against today's guys, uh, you can't. It's, look, let's look at track and field. Let's look at swimming. And we're going to see how the times have improved. And you can't compare 40 years ago, 30 years ago, even 10 years ago. There is very few records which stand in track and field which are older than 10, 15 years. Yeah. Okay? But, uh, but stood for a So long you can't time. compare that. Long and, jump. And you have to, and even that has been beaten now. Yeah, now it but, has. Uh, it took a while. You, and it was in Mexico City and so on and so on. Yeah. So you can't compare it performance-wise. You can compare it how they work in their time to their, their uh, opponents. Look. Um, I suppose. There's 28 majors sitting on this table. That's right. Eight, seven, seven, six. Twenty-eight, and there's okay. 225 years as well. I didn't want to mention <laughs> that much. I'm glad you did the math. And and just referring Thanks to your, your question, the greatest of all time. <laughs> what I miss is more of a competition with these three. I'm with you. I think it's an unbelievable time. You know, obviously yeah, Russia is. standing arm and Rafa yeah. and Novak is, is catching up quickly. So that's unique. But where's the rest? And my question is always, are these three so much better? Or is the rest not as good? And that's and what like I said. I can make both arguments. Correct. Yeah. And I'd like to see Zverev, yeah. Tsitsipas, you know, the, the young generations picking it up more. But sometimes I don't see the mentality. I don't but see the fight. You would have gone crazy, probably all of us, with any of the top three. In one way or another, you would found a way. And that's what I'm missing a little bit. The acceptance of losing is far greater now than it was in our days. You have an, an insight that we don't have because you not only work with Murray, who tried to battle these three guys and successfully with yeah. your help, uh, reasonably successfully. Yeah. And then you did you just work with uh, for a year or so, I believe, with Sasha Zverev. What, you know, because that comes to what Boris just said. Is it a mental thing or is he just not as good or what happened there? What's happening, I should you know, well, say. Because uh, he and seems and like you a know, great I kid. Was, I was talking earlier about golf. There are three young players right now. Wolf, Morikawa and Hovland. They all finished college or stopped college this year. Went on the tour and in two months, Morikawa and uh, Wolf won on PGA Tour and Hovland had top five top five finishes in six events or something crazy like that. He just finished second last week to get his tour card. Who? Who we, uh, Victor Hovland. Victor Hovland. He's a Norwegian. Norwegian. <laughs> He's a good player. And, and uh, they're player. all potentially great. Okay. Now, everybody's talking them up. And we're talking down the tennis guys. But, you know, when you think about it, it's a bit unfair to the young tennis guys because they have won on the same level these guys have won. They won on the ATP Tour. They, they won the Masters, they won yeah, the 1,000, the and, the and they world. have not 
one in the major. Right. Neither have those three guys, and yet everybody is building yeah. them up. So RV may be a little too harsh. Maybe they're 20 to 21 well, years old. Asking. Should we wait with our judgment till they're 25 or 26? Because today's 33 is ours 27. Yeah. The times have That's moved. That's true. That's and a good point. So now, before I condemn those guys, I would like to see them, and Roger challenged them the other day, I would like to see them be challenging those guys more. Before they quit. You know, before they quit them. Yeah, but, nice. you know, yes. is it my fault that Vork quit and I couldn't challenge him because I was just coming up? It's, it's not Boris's fault he couldn't challenge you because you, you were already it's sliding a little bit. So, so you can't blame anyone for winning when they don't have competition because it's not their fault. But I, yeah. I find it I find it extraordinary that you know exceptions one or two, none of these young has made a semi-final or you know nobody. Did he or didn't he? No, in Melbourne. He he made that's the, the opposite argument, though. Yeah. Wait a second, because he yeah. just said. You know, I was sliding. True, that Boris didn't get a chance. But these young guys have a chance to challenge them when they're playing amazing stuff. I, I agree, and you know, and they we should can be make arguments and get better quicker. You know, th there is one factor which is undefeated in tennis, and that's father time. And it's going to catch up with these guys. And Roger is certainly giving it, giving father time, great run for his money. Yeah. Sure is. And so is Rafa, and so is Novak, and hopefully Andy will come back strong, and he will mm -hmm. do that as well. I don't know if he will or not. He's certainly trying, but uh, it, it, there will be a time. And then are we going to say these young guys started winning because they got better or are, did they start winning by default? Well, that's, that's, well, that's the worry. Exactly. That's, that's the worry. That's or that's is it going worry. to be five of them or is one just going to step up, dominate for a while? No, but the, I, the interest I, level yeah. won't be the same, in my opinion, because they're not challenging them enough. And then they'll come along when these three guys yeah, go away. Yeah, but then, then you have one of them win two majors in a year or maybe three majors in a year, and all of a sudden yeah, that's true. it, it, it just star. will change in a hurry. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I just true. hope it happens within the next 18 months because uh, I, I think hope, I hope it happens last Russia, two Rafa years. Novak is but still, it didn't. Is still, <laughs> but I, again, I think it's a different attitude. You know, when the four of us, we went to a major a semi-final was the expectancy wasn't it i yeah. mean the semi-final yeah, was we, a we, bad tournament that was sort of okay that's that's the minimum bad tournament nowadays they're screaming reaching the second week different i mean uh, i wouldn't even yes. made different, a post about reaching times, the second though. week different and now huh, up until the second quarterfinals well, seem to be too the big, big deal, deal these days i agree with that that's too the low expectations is is but for me okay let me ask you this then boris you get thumped so long by these three uh, then all of a sudden you beat one of them and make a semis it's a big deal yeah because they just beat beat you into a pulp for a long time and and you you just have no confidence against them yeah. so, so example Tsitsipas he beats Federer in a magical match in Melbourne he reaches the semis great kid wonderful you know French Open was good first round Wimbledon first round the Open boom what happened uh, I think expectations Pressure. because he had yeah. some he had some uh, success and now it's expected and he hasn't dealt with it yet. Okay, yeah. but but isn't that wasn't that our norm? But I mean, w weren't we our own worst critics of saying a quarterfinal I, was I a shit tournament? I always said pressure is self-inflicted. Yeah, but because I absolutely don't give a flip what anybody okay. thinks, yeah. but I do know what my expectations of but myself are. There's a sure huge you had high expectations. Yeah. Yeah. But and you put plenty of pressure on yourself. Something tells me. Yeah, yes, but it's self-inflicted. Well, either way, it's pressure. But if you don't have to answer to anyone because you don't really care or 
you uh, maybe don't care is the wrong word, but that you answer to yourself the most, the rest doesn't matter that much. Yeah. What do they write doesn't matter that much. I have my expectations and I have to answer to myself. When you got criticized or when people said you weren't emotional, did that, yeah. that you didn't care about that? Too bad. Too bad? <laughs> didn't, you didn't care? No. Yeah. Did you? Yeah. Never care. Yeah. I love it. Love it. But I there's mean, another I totally point. I totally but there, but there's you. another point that we're gonna actually we're gonna only he talk about you better because he's the neighbor. Yeah. The so, neighbor so for we, the Germans you know, and the Czechs. Very close. Very close neighbors and so and on. And my so mother on. was actually yeah. Czech. Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh. Yeah. So. Oh. Yeah. She was yeah. from Novichin. Yes. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> you see, you can learn something from yes. me every day. But there's one point. We're not doing this tomorrow, then. I want to raise one point though that's completely different, and that has to do with what we're talking about. Is that when I came up as a 17-year-old, I I felt straight away I can play with the hard court and the grass court specialist, the best in the world, on a slow clay court. So I build up a little bit of confidence by beating some of the hard court players and the grass court players early in my career, even if they're one or two or whatever their ranking was. So suddenly we have that today. They can't do that because the surfaces and the matchups seem to be too similar. Depending, doesn't matter what if it's grass or clay. The, the tactical matchups seem to be very similar. And in our generation, that wasn't the case. It was a complete opposite playing because you on a grass surfaces, court yeah. or yeah. you on a clay everything's court. very homogenized now yeah, yeah and that i think makes a big difference for these young guys if you lose to federer on on clay you're going to lose to him on every surface i bet you never thought you'd see the uh, time uh, where at wimbledon you'd see all the male players serving and staying back well i get a kick out of it second week when i see where the court is worn out yeah exactly <laughs> I never Mas in my I wildest dreams thought I would I'd be see wearing that. my clay court shoes there. After watching Rafter play Ivanišević in that classic yeah. Wimbledon final, and the next yeah. year Hewitt plays now Bandian, and they don't serve in volley once. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. Is that a fact? Yeah, I believe. I, mean, I, I believe yeah. so. I mean, yeah. I have a question regarding not um, one time coaches, and I benefited early in my career of being surrounded by really good coaches. They made me a better player. I think the same for you. And, and for everybody. What about the great coaches of today? I consider you one of the best. You all, if you wanted to, were, were the same. You know, I, I you know, do my best. So what about, there are so many new coaches in the locker room. Do they, are they really telling these young players something they haven't heard yet? It's, it's a, bit of a bit of a question here. I'm not sure I understand what you're asking. The answer is, I think there's a lack of experience in the coaching uh, these days compared to Good. maybe in the past a little bit. Yes. And we didn't all have coaches well, in the same way. You know, uh, there's a lot of floating I around didn't coaches. Have a coach, yeah. By the way. yeah, you didn't really have one. Not, did a, you? not a coach that uh, I travel uh, with. You were uncoachable, yeah. maybe. Well, that, that, that's another issue. <laughs> but I think you had a good coach as a kid, Tony yes, Palafox. Oh, right? no, he was yeah. great. He yeah. taught me so And well. I had good coaches as a kid. And when I went to coach, and then I had a great coach uh, in Tony Roach, and had a very good coach in Feedback, and so on. And uh, good coaches today. That's my point. Well, w what I'm trying to say is that I was fortunate to learn from all of them, whether it was my PV coach, beginner coach, or at under 14, under 18, then Feedback, then Roach. I learned from all of them, and I was able to draw on that experience when I started coaching. Mm. So if some players don't have that fortune that they have been coached by that many great coaches or good people, 
they really don't have that experience and they don't have who to draw on. Mm, Isn't that the problem with the younger generation? That's really my question because unless you've really been through the mill in a Grand Slam, you don't know what it's like. It doesn't matter how many books you've read, doesn't matter how many videos you've seen, unless you've been into the second week of a major, the craziness starts, yeah. the locker room gets empty, the pressure you know, self-inflicted yeah. or not, unless you've been there yourself, it's very difficult to advise that young man and, or woman and what it's like. That's why, that's why I felt fortunate to have Tony Roach, who played all four majors finals, because yeah. he knew how you feel, he knew how difficult it is to get something to eat into you in the morning, and he knew also that you have to do it, and he knew when to talk, and he knew when to keep quiet. You know, I was, uh, I was, I never liked playing Stefan, Stefan Edberg, and we're driving here in 1986 for for the match and uh, I'm going to play Stefan at 11 and you yeah. you played the uh, match here after us and I, I was nervous because didn't didn't set the well for me on your yeah, back and didn't yeah. like so much yeah. and hitting backhands up here is not easy for a single-hander and I say what do you think Tony he goes you will be all right mate don't worry about it just play and if, if you're in little doubt be more aggressive yeah. not too complicated Simple. Very simple. Yeah, yeah. simple. Very simple. It, it seems like the players, they have a, a lot of the young players, especially, they have their family around them, which I think makes, you know, it can be good in a way, but it can be a little bit too much to me, coaching them and even managing them. Meaning mother and fathers Thank becoming you. coaches and agents. Yes. Overprotective. Experience in the coach, John, sorry. Uh, experience in the coach, having been there, you can't, you can't pay enough money for that. No. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I think. Yeah, yeah. sure. I sure. mean, if I were playing today and know what I know today, I would hire any of you, no yeah. problem, even if you haven't coached before, because you have the experience. I don't need you to tell me how to play tennis. Oh. I know how to play tennis. I need you to guide me through the most extreme pressure. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Mm. I agree. I, we, we are, we're going to soon cut this off, and I'm going to just ask about the head-to-head -head between the two of you guys, because it has a little bit to do with coaching. <laughs> uh, we know with Nadal and Djokovic, they played each other about 51, 52 yeah. times. It's very yeah. even. But it, there's a strange pattern where one player wins five in a row, the next player wins five in a row. And I was looking through our rivalries, really, we only played ten times. I don't have this with you guys. I don't have a good rivalry with either of the three of you, actually, uh, in head-to-head. -head. But you two have been pretty interesting, yeah. I have 36. to say. Yeah, you played 36 <laughs> times. You know yeah. that. You're yeah. ahead by a few. 21-15. But yeah. he won We when both you guys were sort of... A little bit when both of you I forgot were more who has the, prime. the better one. When both of you were yeah. more in the prime, I feel like John won maybe a little bit more than you played for longer than we him had time. But anyway, he beat me when I was over the hill. That's it, exactly. You were over the hill <laughs> at actually, a pretty young age too, John, just like me. Uh, interesting babes. That's I and was, I'm going to ask I you about. I was beating it. John Early. Yeah, okay, like hold on one second. Hold on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, hold on. John won the first two times. Right. Okay, John He won, won the next seven. in Milan and the U.S. Open. And then suddenly you win in 81 in Roland Garros in the quarterfinals, three sets, and you win six in a row. Yeah. What did you figure out just by beating him on clay? Well, What did you figure well, out on the other surfaces? I didn't figure out anything. I would like to know what John figured out then in 83 and 84. Well, when that's he was coming next. That's he coming was next. Me. And I was trying to deal with it, problem solving. Yeah. So I started watching tapes from 1981. Okay. And I stopped in one set. I said, neither one of these two guys on the tape can beat any of the guys playing today, two years later. Okay. That's how much the game has moved forward. Okay. So then I figured out what I need to do to beat John, uh, because I was sick and tired of being two and three in the world. 
and I figured out what I need to and be. What was that? What, what did you need I needed to, to come in forward more, so huh? you, you didn't feel comfortable just massaging the ball and coming on your terms. I wanted you to come in on some of the orange lights, and yeah. I needed to improve my second serve so you, so you don't come in on that and be successful. Interesting. Okay. Yeah? Interesting. So forwards, 1983, <laughs> US Pro Indoors, Philadelphia. You suddenly turn it around, John. And then you won eight out of the next nine. And I have a feeling this is when you changed rackets, maybe, to the to the uh, little bit bigger. Was that an 83? Yeah. I, yeah, I did switch to the 200G, the graphite one in 83. But, you know, what's funny, What were you uh, Don Budge came up to me right before uh, I played Yvonne. And he said to, and I'd lost like six or seven in a row. And he said, listen, you got to take away his angle on the passing shots. You got to try to come up the middle. When you move in, and you know, don't give him an angle. Is that I, when it goes in your chest? What's that? <laughs> From the middle, it goes in your chest. I've got it? a few. I got plenty in the chest. <laughs> I was willing to accept a couple in the chest in order to get the occasional you win. You didn't look yes. happy about it. So I said, you know something, I, I wasn't happy about it. Um, <laughs> but you got to accept it, you know. If, and 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 finally, you know, I said, oh, what the hell? I've lost a bunch in a row. I'm going to do that, yeah, and it works. Something different, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Might as well. And it worked I mean, straight away. And by the way, I took time off when I was 27 in 1986 when I had my first kid. I took six months off. Yeah. The plan I thought was, it was the plan. after the Open here in 85. Well, it was. You know, yeah. I stopped playing in February because I kept playing until the end yeah. of the year. Yeah. And, and then and, then yeah. we played an exhibition in L.A. when you were coming back, first match back. We played hey. EXO at the forum. You had a match point and I happened to squeak <laughs> out the match. <laughs> Well, who, but who would remember that? I and would. Then, uh, yeah. and, 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 you know, the plan was to come back the way these other guys yeah. become a better player. Right. I wasn't planning to become right. a worse yeah. player. No. I just want to say but, that for but, the record. Mark, Mark, I wanted to get better. You know, I uh, wish I had. I got know, a little slower. Yeah. In 83 and 84, especially in 84, I think that was John's best year. But he lost only two matches. One to you yeah. in the French Open and, and the other v one. VJ, uh, I lost to I mean, I lost a match in the, uh, the Davis Cup and I lost to VJ in Cincinnati. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But uh, to VJ? Yeah. I peaked in 84. Yeah. But he, he played. That was partially because in 83 he started getting better somehow, whether it was the racket or something else. But his tennis has improved and I had to catch up to it again. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And it nearly lasted it all the way through the French Open final yeah. in 84. Yeah. That's it? No, seriously. Well, it lasted it after that. Yeah. I, I, I no, continued to play so, well. But I mean, it lasted. You nearly got him on clay. It lost you, the next know, year when style. I lost in the finals in 85 here. When yeah. I beat you know, him two weeks in a row. You beat him in, in 84 here. No, in 85. Yeah, and yeah. we played in the finals the yeah. next year. Right. That, yeah. that was one of the matches where I got into a zone. We were talking about zones earlier. That was one of the matches. But he hit every ball as hard as, as he could. Is that tr fair you to had, say? You had 5-2 five two, five set two. point on my serve. I passed you. And then I won 6-3 and 4. And I felt like I was floating on the court. And you were just remember crushing the ball. Yes. You remember everything. I don't remember but, uh, anything. I remember breaking just at 4 Just cut that part out, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I remember breaking at 4 all in the third. You hit a volley to my forehand and a running lob. <laughs> With a forehand. I don't remember that. I remember <laughs> match point too, John. Oh, God. Guys, you what guys, you have, to rem you have to remember your first US Open match point. Come on. No, let me tell, think. Tell I, me I you don't re remember no, your no, first US Open match point. I do remember it. You're right. I do remember it. Okay, there okay, you go. I do remember it. It's just unfortunate for what you. What happened on the match point, okay? Uh, you, no, you we don't need to go about out. it. I know what it was. But I'm going to say. Was double fault? No, 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 no. no. It was on my serve. Oh, that's right. I couldn't break you. But I will say one other thing about the record 21 and 15. Now that John plays golf, there has been some talk about us possibly playing together through the common, yes. through a common friend. 
However, I would love to improve my record. <laughs> <laughs> now, okay, so then the follow-up question, would you be willing to take strokes from him? Yes. Wait, wait, okay. Wait, 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 wait. Okay. wait. You, you asked the wrong guy. You have to ask me first. Would, would I you be willing to offer strokes? Give strokes, yes. No effing way. <laughs> What's your handicap now? It's one now. One? I got back to one, yeah. Oh, Are you good. still hitting the chip with the left hand? Right hand. No, I play, right, I play right. left handed and I chip right handed. Oh, the chip yeah. right handed. He chips right handed. Right -handed. Yeah, he he's got the yips. He has yeah. the yips. So, so does Matt. Yeah, yeah. Me too. You, I chip right handed now and I putt right handed. <laughs> <laughs> he chips right handed, but I didn't do it because of yips. He did it because of yips. And to yeah. all a good night. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much. So, so great to be with that you. I love fun. that we that have mutual fun. respect and uh, we learn from each other, and the passion for tennis is very much alive in this foursome. Thank you for listening. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.